everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we'll have the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Lots of sports figures running for political office. Who won? Who lost? We'll tell you in our next segment. Then in segment three, caught in the crosslights. Not one, but two PR nightmares of the week. Who are they? We'll tell you in segment three. Then in segment four, we're going to recap the business around the World Series, the TV ratings and some of the other numbers. Who's going to be the most marketable player? coming off of the World Series victory for the San Francisco Giants, and the dilemma that the New York Yankees face with their franchise player, Derek Jeter, who's been a part of their fabric, has won numerous championships, but now finds himself a free agent. We'll discuss that in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at SBR Radio on Twitter. You can find the Twitter and Facebook links on the homepage at sportsbusinessradio.com. Joined in studio by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, do you think Lincecum's marketable? I do. The guy's won two Cy Youngs. He's now got a world championship. He's a vicious competitor. He kind of reminds me of Sean White a little bit. Yeah, he's a little quiet, but uh, sure. I mean, four years, look what he's done. Um, I don't know if you want him as your your team guy because he's just so quiet and kind of hides behind the scenes, but great player, a great asset for any team. Well, we'll discuss that more coming up in headlines. Also coming up next, as I said, many sports figures running for political office. We'll give you the winners and the losers. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR back with more after this this is brian berger from sports business radio i know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin to me it's an easy call go where sports business education got its start at the warsaw sports marketing center at the university of oregon As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's edition of Sports Business Radio Headlines, brought to you by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one. Well, we've talked in depth about potential work stoppages in the NFL and the NBA. Let's look at the NFL first and some news that came out this week. The NFL is building a nearly $900 million lockout financial pool from savings the league reaped by not paying non-health care benefits to players this year, as well as from revenue the league is holding back from the teams. This is according to Dan Kaplan of the Sports Business Journal. Sources indicate the money, $28 million from each of the 32 teams, is in addition to reserves the league has saved that are sufficient to pay for two years of interest on roughly $1 billion of stadium debt that flows through the league. Let's not forget, Griggs, you've got the new Cowboys stadium, you've got the new facility where the Jets and Giants play. Even if there's no football, there's still big debt payments that need to be made. This is interesting news because it shows you the lengths that the NFL is going to to prepare for a work stoppage. You don't do these types of things unless you think there's a serious chance there's going to be a work stoppage. Exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is a setup for, okay, it's going to happen. Now we're trying to figure out ways to make it happen smoothly, keep people as happy as we can make it, and keep the business happy too. Now the league is also in the process of holding back $18 million per club from pooled revenue that otherwise would have been paid out to them. So the $576 million total plus the $320 million saved from health care will serve as the main lockout funding for the NFL if it happens. Now here's our next headline. This is the one that I found even more alarming. NBA Deputy Commissioner and COO Adam Silver said about a week ago, that team owners are seeking to roll back existing contracts, imposing a pay cut on all 450 players as part of a new CBA. This according to Ken Berger, not my brother, of CBSSports.com. Silver offered on-the-record confirmation that the NBA is looking to do to its players what the NHL did to its players back in 2005. Silver says... It's part of our proposal. It included a reduction of existing contracts in addition to a reduction of the maximum going forward. Now, it's interesting to note the NHL lockout lasted 310 days, and it cost the NHL the 2004-2005 season. Griggs, the more I listen to the dialogue, the more I think the NBA, if you're talking about rolling back existing contracts, not grandfathering them and saying, okay, starting next season, new rules apply. They want to go back and change the contracts that exist today. I think this is going to be ugly. Yeah, it's not going to make players happy. I mean, you can already see it's just not going to be a good setup. I mean, (laughs) players love their money, and when they're taking money out of stuff from the past, it's not going to be good. Well, and I wrote a column on sportsbusinessradio.com this week on my blog. You hear David Stern talking about European expansion. We see Roger Goodell talking about playing more games in Europe coming off of last weekend's game in London between the Niners and the Broncos. Keep your eye on the ball, guys. 
Walk before you can run. Why don't you figure things out here domestically? You've got two leagues here, enormous leagues, billions of dollars at stake. Get your CBA done here before you're going to start talking about expansion. What I said in my column is it's kind of like talking about the addition onto your house before you've even built your house. They're getting way ahead of themselves. I understand you want to promote your brand abroad, and I get all of that. But you've got some problems here domestically that need to be figured out. And if I'm an NFL player, by the way, and you're coming to me and you're saying, okay, you're going to cut my salary by 18%. You're going to ask me to play two more regular season games a year. You're going to say, hey, let's have you go over to Europe a little bit more and play football. It doesn't sound like a very good deal to me, Griggs. No, it's not a good thing. And uh, like you're saying, I mean, you got to fix the home base first. It's like if you got ants at your house, you're spraying out in the corner, but you're not spraying the nest. I mean, you got to take care of where the problem is first, which is here, and then worry about expanding out, I think. Well, those ants in the houses of the NBA and the NFL, that problem's getting worse by the day. And I know a lot of this is dialogue and posturing and politics. I get it. But when you talk about rolling back existing contracts and cutting the contracts by 33% and maybe going to non-guaranteed contracts in the NBA, wow, I think we're headed for a lengthy work stoppage. And we'll see. Maybe I'm the boys crying wolf and everyone will come to their senses. But right now, uh, I don't think there's going to be basketball come the start of the 2011-2012 season. I guess that's what it would be. All right, our next headline, lots of political races this week, obviously, and lots of sports figures who were involved in races. Former NFL lineman John Runyon won election to Congress in New Jersey, but former NBA basketball player Chris Dudley wasn't quite as lucky. He lost to John Kitzhopper in a very tight race. That was here in Oregon in our backyard. The other one that caught my attention, Griggs, Linda McMahon in Connecticut, the former CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment, she presented herself as a shrewd businesswoman. She spent $50 million on her campaign and lost. Ouch. $50 million bucks on a political campaign is... That blew me away. You told me that this morning. Uh, and it was... I'm like, $50 million bucks, And then you lost. I mean, p- politics is all about money. The more money usually you, you raise is usually a victory in most cases. But $50 million bucks in a loss, that's, that is a painful one. Heath Schuler, the former quarterback for the Washington Redskins and New Orleans Saints, he was reelected to Congress from North Carolina. Uh, Alan Page, Pro Football Hall of Famer for the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears, he kept his seat on the Minnesota Supreme Court. Jason Chaffetz, who once kicked 10 extra points in a game for BYU, he was reelected to Congress from Utah. Another former NBA center lost his bid for office, in addition to Chris Dudley. Seven foot six, Sean Bradley fell short in his run for the Utah legislature. Now, it's interesting to me, Griggs, that you got guys like Dudley and Bradley, who both big centers, both didn't really like doing interviews as players. They weren't very public figures. And here they are running for office. It just, they both looked a little bit awkward when they were on the campaign trail. And maybe that had something to do with uh, the reasons 
they lost. Just, you know, very much on the surface. I'm not getting into their uh, stances on different issues, but it was just a little bit surprising to me. It's like when you see the guys who don't like doing interviews, but then they go into broadcasting. And you're like, well, wait a minute. You didn't like the media before. Like a Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight can't stand the media, has so many confrontations with the media, then he turns into media member. It's just funny when things work out like that. It is, especially in like politics where you're not necessarily getting paid to run for something. I mean, like Bobby Knight, he's getting a check out of that, so he's probably liking it. But yeah, uh, Dudley and Bradley, you know, they're they're out there trying to raise money and they got to speak a lot every single day to do it. It is kind of an one. Some other winners, Norm Dix, who played college football uh, in Washington, he was elected to the U.S. House. Sean Duffy in Wisconsin, he was elected to the U.S. House. Dale Ford, he was a baseball umpire. He was elected to the Tennessee State Legislature. Mitch Lyons played in the NFL, uh, and he's on the Michigan State University Board of Trustees. He was elected in Michigan. So those are the people that uh, were winners. And then we told you some of the losers, Sean Bradley, Chris Dudley, amongst them. Coming up next, Caught in the Crosslights. If you listen to this show, you know it's our PR nightmare of the week. And guess what, folks? We've got a double feature for you this week. Not one, but two PR nightmares of the week. Who's on the chopping block? We'll tell you. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Well, things went from bad to worse for the Minnesota Vikings this week. This is a train that is quickly going off the track. The Vikings are 2-5, and five, They were, by many people's assessment, a Super Bowl contender due to the return of Brett Favre before the season started. And three weeks ago, the Minnesota Vikings and New England Patriots completed a trade that sent Randy Moss from the Patriots to the Minnesota Vikings 
for a third-round pick. Now, for those of you who may not follow the NFL draft closely, third-round picks are like starters. They're guys that, if you're doing your job right as a football executive, this is a player that's going to play on your team for five to ten years. So it's the equivalent in the NBA of a first-round pick because there's only two rounds in the NBA. So it's an important player that you're trading away. Not a first-round pick, but a third-round pick. And there are guys like Bill Belichick who would rather have third-round picks and fourth-round picks because he doesn't have to pay them nearly as much as you have to pay a first-round pick with big guaranteed signing bonuses. That's why you see a lot of teams trade their first-round pick and trade down to get multiple picks in later rounds. So trading your third-round pick should not be taken lightly. That's what the Minnesota Vikings did when they acquired Randy Moss. Now, this is the same Randy Moss who basically quit when he was in Oakland, who played when he wanted to play in New England, and somehow Minnesota Vikings brass led by Brad Childress thought they were going to be able to get through Randy Moss. He was going to be a different player when he came to Minnesota. It didn't work out. Moss was cut this week by the Vikings, and when Brad Childress was asked as a, at a press conference how this all unfolded and why it happened this way, here's some sound bites from Minnesota Vikings head coach Brad Childress. I'm not going to get into a lot of the particulars. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, it's done. It's over with. It was a decision that you don't take lightly, but uh, it was a decision that I had to make, and, and um, it's over. I wished and hoped that it would have worked out as well. You know, it just, uh, it was a programmatic non-fit. And when things uh, don't work out, you need to move quickly to take steps. It was a poor decision. And, um, you know, I got to stand up and, and I have to make it right. When, when something's not right, you need to make it right. Now, look, guys get suspended all the time. Guys act up in the locker room. You can take action against them. If you have control of your locker room, you suspend a guy, you know your other players are going to stand behind that decision, and you move on. When you don't have control of your locker room, you get a guy out altogether. And that's what Brad Childers did with Randy Moss. Randy Moss probably would have overtaken that locker room. Very strong personality. Now, another interesting side note that's been reported by several publications as to the reason that Randy Moss was let go, waived, by the Vikings this week. Every Friday, there's a restaurant in Minnesota called Tanucci's. They serve Italian food. They cater food for the Vikings players in the locker room. Randy Moss reportedly did not like Tanucci's food, did not like the catering, said he wouldn't feed it to his dog, and really insulted the caterers from Tanucci's. That obviously didn't set well with the brass of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Tanucci's has taken this as a golden opportunity to promote their restaurant, which, Griggs, it's turning lemons into lemonade. They have gotten all kinds of free exposure, including right now, on shows across the country. And on Friday, they said, if you bring in a Randy Moss jersey, we're going to give you a free lunch. 
bring in a Randy Moss Vikings jersey. We're going to give you free lunch. I think it's brilliant. And if you're looking for the winners in this Randy Moss Minnesota Vikings debacle, there's three entities. Number one, the New England Patriots. They got a third round pick for letting a guy go to another team for three weeks. Number two, Tanucci's. They're getting all kinds of free publicity from this. And like I said, have turned lemons into lemonade. The third entity that could be a winner, the Tennessee Titans, who picked up Randy Moss on waivers this week. They're five and three. If Jeff Fisher, who's a very strong personality in the locker room, who has control of his locker room, who has the respect of his players, can get Moss to buy into what they're doing in Tennessee, Moss could be a real difference maker in that tight division where they're locked in a battle with the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. I think you hit it on the head with Fisher being the strong guy he is in the locker room. That's the key. If he can control Moss and that team, rein Moss in, it could be a big asset for them. Now, Moss has got a, bear, a very bad history of being troublemaker. So I don't know if that's going to just stop because he's in Tennessee now, but Fisher can help with that, I think. Now, Tennessee will owe Randy Moss about $3.4 million for the remainder of the season. They have now assumed the remainder of his contract. So not a ton of money, but it's a decent chunk of change for the remaining eight games of the season. We will see how this experiment works out. And if Randy Moss, who's shown in New England, when he wants to buy in, when he wants to get out there and perform and be a good teammate, he can actually do it. But the bottom line is the Minnesota Vikings are a mess. Brad Childress, his lost control of that team, he can say, I don't know what it means. What what are you talking about? When people ask him at the press conference about, have you lost control of this team? Obviously, he's lost control of this team. Brett Favre went as far as to say in his press conference, you know what? You don't need to like someone to be successful on the field. I don't think the players like Brad Childress, and I think his days are numbered in Minnesota, and the inmates are running the asylum, and things have clearly gotten out of hand in Minnesota. Our other PR nightmare of the week Kevin Garnett and Charlie Villanueva. They played earlier this week when the Celtics and the Pistons matched up. Kevin Garnett of the Celtics is known as a trash talker, a guy who says anything and everything on the basketball court. This week, following the game, Charlie Villanueva posted the following on his Twitter account. KG called me a cancer patient. I'm pissed because you know how many people died from cancer, and he's tossing it around like it's a joke. Now, Villanueva suffers from alopecia universalis, I think is how you pronounce it. It's a medical condition that results in hair loss. All right, I've got a number of comments on this issue. Let's start with the obvious one. You don't insult or bring a disease into your insult of another player, Griggs, especially during a week where the NBA lost one of its greats. Maurice Lucas died of bladder cancer this week. The timing on this couldn't be worse. Okay, It looks so insensitive. KG looks like a really insensitive jerk of a player. And there's a lot of players around the league that, you know, think he's all bark and little bite. And, you know, this isn't surprising to them. The other obvious level, the first thing I thought of when I heard this, besides, wow, that's really insulting, bringing cancer into it. I don't know if anyone's addressed this so far. KG doesn't have hair either, Griggs. 
How do you call someone a cancer patient because they're bald when you're bald too? I mean, it's not like, you know, this guy's Don King and has a full head of hair. Just from the insult level, how do you, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, great point, by the way. From one bald guy to another there. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. Did you think before you uh, shot that back out? And then KG's response on Twitter was terrible, too. Oh, wait, I, I meant to say you're a cancer to your team and the organization. It's like, come on. Yeah, I'm sure he said that, and they had that conversation right there in the heat of battle on the basketball court. I doubt it. Now, the other thing with this, too, is that there are some people that are disappointed with Charlie Villanueva. And they say, you know what? What happens on the court should stay inside those lines. Those conversations should stay private. If you talk trash, you shouldn't go and, and tweet it. Look, I've talked many times on this show. I'm someone who does media training. And one of the first things I tell people is you better live a life of transparency because we are always on. Everyone's a member of the media. Now, you can say, well, when you go to the pitcher's mound, it's a private conversation between the manager and the pitcher. Or if you are in a huddle, it's a private conversation. But more and more, you better know that when you're around thousands of people, someone might pick up on that conversation. Now, Villanueva kind of crossed that unwritten code amongst athletes that these conversations are private. And I think he's going to get some backlash from players. It's kind of like he's a tattletale. But look, everyone has a Twitter account now. Everyone's on Facebook This is a transparent world. If you don't want someone to rebroadcast something that you said, then don't say it. Don't do it. Don't act it. You're always on, Griggs. I hear my mom in the back of my head saying, if it's not nice, don't say it, right? Right. (laughs) And, And that's the thing here is, again, you can come down on Villanueva and say, well, he really crossed that line of, ethics and he shouldn't have said what was said in a private conversation, you know what? Okay. I guess I can see that argument. But in this day and age where everyone has a camera on their phone, where everyone has a recording device, where everyone has a Twitter and Facebook account, if you don't want it out there, don't do it. Don't say it. That's a good rule of thumb. Then you won't have to worry about things like this being retweeted. All right. Those are our two PR nightmares of the week. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to give you a recap of the World Series numbers, the TV ratings. Were they good? Were they bad? We'll let you know. And then I also want to address a real dilemma that the New York Yankees face. Derek Jeter, part of the fabric of the Yankees, is a free agent, and he wants a lot of money. What do you do if you're if you're the Yankees? We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, 
We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back, and we want to spend this segment talking a little bit of baseball since the season ended this week for Major League Baseball. The San Francisco Giants are the world champions. And a number of different storylines here. Let's start with the television ratings. Griggs, it was the ninth time in the last 13 World Series to end in either four or five games. This is not good for TV. It's not good for the teams that are participating because you're losing home gate revenue. So ticket sales, merchandise sales, food and beverage sales, parking sales, these are all things that aren't happening when a series goes four or five games instead of seven. So you always, in a perfect world, the teams want the series to go seven games. Maybe it's a little bit more drama and doesn't do great things for your heart. But for your bottom line, it's much better when it goes seven games. It's also better for the networks because they have more inventory that they can sell than if it goes four to five games. So this series ending in five games wasn't very good for the teams involved. Definitely wasn't good for Fox. The TV ratings equaled the lowest ever. And it equaled the 2008 World Series between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Tampa Bay Rays. Here's what we've learned about baseball. And I don't know if whoever replaces Bud Selig when he's supposedly going to walk away in 2012 will come to their senses on this. After August, baseball doesn't matter anymore. Once September starts, Griggs, in the United States, it's all about football. It's all about football. College football and the NFL. People are not watching Major League Baseball. They're not even watching the biggest stage of Major League Baseball, the World Series. We've seen that the ratings have declined and declined and declined. And unless, like last year, the Yankees are playing in the World Series or the Dodgers are a big media market, the numbers for the World Series are atrocious. Then, when you put the World Series up against the NFL, as happened twice this week, Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. Sunday Night Football beat the World Series head-to-head, 11.9 rating for NBC, 10.4 for Fox. Not as bad as it had been, because most of the time when baseball playoffs went up against NFL football, it was almost a 2-1 to beatdown from the NFL to Major League Baseball. Game 5 drew 15 million viewers, and it actually beat Monday Night Football, which had 11.9 million viewers. But the point is, is that if I'm Major League Baseball, I got to shorten my season. You can start it in early March, or not early March, mid-March or April, and you got to end it in August. Because once the calendar flips to September 1st, People are paying attention to football, and they're not paying as much attention 
to baseball, and now we've got a decade of TV ratings and, and data to show us that the interest in the fall classic has declined sharply. And if I'm the commissioner of baseball, this is deeply concerning to me. I agree. And like you said, you've got years of seeing the, the ratings go down and down and down and down. It's not like it's all of a sudden just going to snap back up. Even with the good teams like New York, it's still football's going to beat it. So I agree. I think wrap it up in August. And then you know it gets everybody into football, and it's gonna it's gonna help football too, because then you've got only football on basically. So for the series, TV numbers average fourteen point three million viewers. That's up five percent from two thousand eight, when the country had fewer homes with TVs. But as far as just pure ratings go, tied for lowest rated World Series ever with the. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies, Tampa Bay Rays back in 2008. Now, let's talk about some of the the stars or marketing stars from this World Series. Tim Lincecum, who's probably the best-known player for the San Francisco Giants, I think he's got real opportunities here to cash in. He reminds me of Sean White, the X Games athlete, the Olympian, you know, Lincecum already has a deal with Red Bull, and he kind of appeals to that X Games audience in in my mind. So, you know, I know he does some stuff with video games, and I know he's got the Red Bull deal, but if I'm kind of an X Games type of company, I'm looking for a younger demographic. To me, Tim Lincecum meets that criteria. Now, there are some people out there that say, well, you know, he's had that marijuana arrest and and things like that. You know what? Let's address the elephant in the room. I'd say that 60 to 70% of pro athletes smoke pot. Maybe they haven't been caught, but a lot of them smoke pot. So I don't know if I necessarily penalize Tim Lincecum for a marijuana arrest. I'm not saying it's right, but if I'm an advertiser, the fact that he's got two Cy Young Awards, the fact that he's now a world champion... The fact that maybe he's the best pitcher in baseball, those outweigh the fact that he has a marijuana arrest from a year ago. And frankly, if you want to talk about street cred, maybe it gives him even more street cred because he's got that that arrest as crazy as that may sound, Griggs. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and you know, we, as we said, he's, he's a great athlete. He's proven that. Um, sometimes the team might even want somebody that's a little quieter because then you don't have the worries of like a Randy Moss where he's in the media all the time and blah, 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 blah. You got a guy that just goes to the mound, plays ball, and wins games. So he's got about $1 to $3 million in endorsement deals currently. And I think that could double. I really do. If his agent's out there doing, being aggressive and seeking, like I said, sponsorships and partnerships with uh, a younger demographic, a, a corporation that's targeting a younger demographic, I think there's a lot to be had there for Tim Lincecum. And uh, I guess we'll see some other guys on the Giants that could cash in on this World Series victory. The most natural endorsement deal that I think has ever been laid out for someone to cash in on? Come on. Brian Wilson has to have a Just for Men commercial. Have you seen his beard? Did he use Just for Men? I don't know if he did or not, but it looks like he did. Griggs, this is such low-hanging fruit. If Brian Wilson's agent hasn't picked up the phone and called the people who run Just for Men, 
it's a huge miss in my opinion. <laughs> That's a good point because it is like the world's greatest, thickest, darkest beard. I mean, he could easily be on that uh, commercial. You could see it. Perfect call. Well, and that's what he's known for. I mean, you saw him in those games and uh, fear the beard. So go out and get a deal done with Just for Men. If you haven't already, it's a big mess. Buster Posey, young catcher, 23 years old, pretty good looking guy. I think he's going to be part of that team for a long time. Uh, came through in clutch situations. I think there's a market for him. Definitely in San Francisco, but you know I think he could be a regional, maybe a national guy. He might need to prove himself a little bit more. But without a doubt, Tim Lincecum is the guy that we should see promoted more by Major League Baseball, more by the networks carrying Major League Baseball, and definitely more by companies who want to align themselves with him to reach a younger demographic. All right, that's the World Series business recap. And uh, congratulations to the Giants, who, gosh, first time ever since they moved to San Francisco that they've won the World Series. Big, big day for them. I want to talk about a dilemma that the New York Yankees face that's really, really difficult. And several teams face this dilemma when they have an aging superstar whose contract comes up for renewal in the latter stages of that superstar's career. And that's the case right now with Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter just completed a 10-year, $189 million contract. That's a lot of do-re-mi. He's not going to be sitting around looking for his next meal. But Derek Jeter wants to end his career with the Yankees. And not only does he want to end his career with the Yankees, he wants to get paid. Now, the problem, Griggs, is several things. Number one, Derek Jeter is not the same player anymore. He hit 270 this year, which is 40 points below his average. His numbers were sharply down this year from the previous year. And if you're the Yankees and you just paid uh, Alex Rodriguez $33 million this year, and you've also got Mariano Rivera and Andy Pettit who are coming up as free agents, what do you do? Because Rivera... And Pettit, you'd like to see them go out Yankees, too. You can't really imagine them in other uniforms. But as Hal Steinbrenner, who's running the Yankees now after the death of his father, has said, this is a business. He doesn't want to overpay these guys. He wants to pay them what they're worth today, not necessarily what they've been worth to the organization during the course of their careers. Here's my thoughts on this. This is a really difficult situation for the Yankees. But I think there's a handful of athletes that are so much a part of the fabric of their team, you've got to do what it takes to get them signed so they end their career in your uniform or it's an absolute PR disaster. Magic Johnson, the Lakers would have never traded him. Larry Bird, the Celtics would have never traded him. Cal Ripken, the Orioles would have never traded Cal Ripken. Peyton Manning, you'd never see him traded. From the Colts. He's going to get a deal done. Tom Brady just got a deal done with the Patriots that probably paid him more so for what he's achieved in the past than what he's achieving currently. But the fan base has a loyalty to certain players. And the iconic players like Jeter, how many posters do you think are on the walls of kids who reside in the New York area of Derek Jeter? Probably a lot, right, Griggs? 
Yeah, I agree. And another point, too, is like you're saying, I mean, he's such a, a staple there. Everybody's got the jerseys and the hats and everything. I mean, who wants to go buy a Jeter Tampa Bay jersey? You know what I mean? He, he's been around long enough. He's such a big name. It would kill the Yankees, I think, to get rid of him. It's synonymous. He is synonymous with the Yankees. But let me remind you, these are the same New York Yankees who insulted former manager Joe Torre with a low ball offer and they let him walk. Are they going to do the same with Derek Jeter? That's what's going to be interesting. Now, let me put some things into perspective for you. The Yankees have one of the best ballparks as far as generating revenue in all of baseball. They have a lot of revenue streams from that new ballpark. Suites, merchandise, concession stands, uh, food, all kinds of options. They've also got one of the biggest TV networks around. Yes, they're bringing in between five and $600 million a year. Pay Jeter. Pay him. Maybe you're not paying him $25 million a year. But I would try and get Jeter for three or four years and let him get 3,000 hits this next season. Let him retire as a Yankee. Anything else is going to blow up in the face of... Of the Yankees. And sometimes you got to pay a little bit more because someone's been an icon for your organization. But that's what you do to save face with the fans. And the Yankees have to get this done with Derek Jeter. Because if they don't, and he's in another team's uniform next season, it's going to be a complete disaster for the New York Yankees. All right, we are going to come back with the final segment of this edition of Sports Business Radio. Got an interesting promotion to tell you about that's taking place this weekend. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, in a day and age when we all complain about things being more expensive and not as affordable as they used to be, the New York Mets announced a sweeping cut to ticket prices for the 2011 season, reducing the cost of tickets to City Field by an average of 14% as yet another team in the Big Apple retreats from its initial price estimates from a few years ago. The cuts will cover nearly two-thirds of all seats at the ballpark, and season ticket holders will see an additional 10% reduction in cost. Griggs, I think it's a good business move for the Mets. And frankly, with the product that they've put on the field the last few years, and they just hired Sandy Alderson as their GM, they're remaking their front office. I think this is a move they had to make if they wanted to retain some fans. I like it. It's a good move. Like you said, they're kind of rebuilding the office. I think uh, the Mets are doing the right thing. They're moving the right direction. And uh, I think the team will start showing that too on the field. And the best way to get through to fans, reduce prices. Here's our final story of the week. This one's pretty funny. Texas Motor Speedway this weekend is going to have two trained monkeys selling souvenir programs for the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series AAA Texas 500. The promotion comes after SMI chair and CEO Bruton Smith in a meeting earlier this year said a trained monkey could sell souvenir programs. That story's courtesy of ESPN. Hey, you know, I love when companies take advantage of someone calling them out. And I also like when it goes the other way. A few years ago, you remember uh, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, said, well, you know, something to the effect of, well, any Dairy Queen employee could do that. Or I Then he went and worked at Dairy Queen after that comment came out. I, I like when things like this happen. I think it's pretty clever. All right, I want to thank our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. You can find us on iTunes. The iTunes link is on the homepage of Sports Business Radio. You can also find our Facebook link and our Twitter link. I'm at... SB Radio on Twitter. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports 
in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.